Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. everybody and welcome back to the show. Uh, my guest today is a member of the exclusive Three Timers Club for the PR360 podcast. It's Sharon Audie, the Vice President of Corporate Marketing and Corporate Communications at iConnective, a supplier of network planning and management services to telecommunications providers. She's also responsible or she's responsible for global marketing and internal and external communication initiatives globally, including corporate messaging, brand management, PR, analyst relations, events, digital strategy, She brings more than 25 years of experience implementing marketing communications initiatives, most recently leading social and digital communication initiatives at Verizon Wireless. So thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. It's always good to chat. No problem. Uh, So I don't think there's anybody listening to this show that isn't constantly frustrated by robocalls. I don't think that when Alexander Graham Bell developed the telephone years ago that he thought, you know what, we're going to use this device. Robots are going to take care of it and start harassing people through this device. Um, It always seems to me like it's one step forward, two steps back when it comes to robocalls. Um, What do things look like in the near future for this? Yes, so I I agree. I definitely do not think that was um, Alexander Graham Bell's intention. Um, But it is improving. Uh, and I know for all of us as consumers, we probably find that pretty hard to believe. Um, a few years ago, the the United States was actually the first country in the world to deploy a standard-based uh, robocall mitigation standard. It was referred to as stir-shaken. There's U.S. legislation on it. And it really started to put um, a lot of structure around the ability to stop robocalls um, from a number of different sources. And... Um, Following that, the Federal Communications uh, Commission, the FCC, had also then required that phone companies um, throughout the United States um, install robocall fighting technology. They needed to register on the FCC's robocall mitigation database, and they needed to really do a lot of work relative to verified caller ID, because that's that's really where the problem is coming from, the, the, the caller ID part. Um, so that's good news for PR and marketing people who are relying on phone calls for consumer engagement because they've got the whole power of like not only the industry, but the government and the legislature um, really behind them. So and it's working again. So there is good news here. Uh, the U.S. public interest group um, showed that spam calls had dropped uh, just under 50, 47 percent, so almost 50 percent oh. since some of these measures were put into place. Wow. The problem, of course, um, is that, uh, and now, of course, and we hope that those, your listeners don't fall victim to these, these the ones that do get through, because, you know, there really are people that get, that get hit really hard um, financially. Um, but the, while there's good news on the voice side, um, the, the fraudsters are really, really clever. And so a lot oh. of this is now moving to robotext. Um, and so robotext is like completely soaring. Uh, I think the last estimate I saw is that there's 12 billion a month. And wow. so instead of picking up the phone, yes, we're getting the, t- and I'm sure we've all seen them, right? We've, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen these text messages that look a little bit suspicious. Um, so they have moved uh, over and we're, 
you know, starting the fight all over again. Have they moved because of uh, specific, like, have they moved because we're blocking the calls from coming out of wherever they're coming out of? Or uh, there's just been a, be- a better crackdown on these types of numbers? Or like, what, where, where are they specifically cutting the hose off, if you will? So they're, you know, fraudsters will move to where the, where the, they're all about the flow of money, right? And yeah. so it was a, ve- it's very lucrative for them to be able to get people on the phone call, get them on the phone. And their take rate doesn't even have to be all that high, really, when you think about the number of calls they're making versus the number of people who fall for it. So as their ability to get people to actually answer the phone and fall for their scams um, has been tightened by all of these things that have been happening over the years, um, they've now just found another vehicle into your life. Uh, into the same phone device, but just through a different application through the through the uh, text message application. And so, you know, again, you'll click on a link that might take you to a site that looks like your banks, but isn't, or they'll, you know, you want a prize, and all of a sudden you're giving away uh, personal information that you don't intend to. Um, and you've fallen victim to the scam. Uh, we saw it with we saw it all through the holidays. We see it with the IRS scams that are happening yeah. now. Um, and so there's always just human diligence that has to go on and say, okay, wait, this, this doesn't look right. This doesn't seem right. Right. Like let your inner instincts guide you. If your bank is calling you or texting you and saying, Hey, your bank is locked. I, I literally just got this text myself uh, two days ago. And I, I at first was going to click the link and I'm in this industry. Uh, and yeah. then I had this moment of pause <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, my, my bank's not locked. Um, and so if you're ever wondering and you're not really sure, the best thing is not to ever click on one of these links in a, in a text that seems questionable to you, but rather just, you know, call the bank yourself. Hey, I just got this suspicious looking thing. If it's from you, that's fine. But can somebody verify it? Um, and when you're taking the initiative and making the outbound call, do not respond to these text messages. Uh, at least you're protecting yourself, your money, your identity in a, in a as best that you can. Yeah. You, you know, you're right. They are getting very, very good. I, I will admit, I was scammed about six months ago, and someone had called me, and they had a whole ton of my personal information. Uh, they said they were from so- Southern California Edison, the power company, and I was like, okay, and I had just gotten a big power bill. So, and they were like, we're going to shut off your electricity if you don't pay us, and I thought, oh, this is kind of weird, but my power bill was so big that I had tried to call and get through to Edison recently and couldn't get through because of all the COVID and the staffing and everything. So they're like, here's your email. They knew all this stuff. So I was just like, I was afraid, you know, of having my power disconnected. So I paid them. Uh, But luckily I paid them on credit card and then I was able just to, you know, zap the charge away. So I guess that was... I had a little bit of a gut yes, on you're me. For, you're go, fortunate, but it is easy. Right. And they and there's social engineering. They can get people can get so much information um, about you, your family, your lifestyle. Uh, you know, with just because we we share so much information ourselves. Um, so I mean, I'm glad that you didn't you didn't have to pay that to the the scammer. But I'm no. sure that there's many many people who did. Oh, I know. I know. And uh, there was, okay, I will say one other time I was scammed. Um, I was I was on Craigslist, and I'm, I'm an easy mark. I was on Craigslist, and I was trying to rent a place in Palm Springs for a weekend. Looked like a great deal. And I paid the guy, and then they... Disappeared. They disappeared. go see you. Yeah. 
I think I think we're all easy targets. I don't think any like you know I don't know that people. I think in the beginning people would feel like oh I can't tell anybody or this is like a shameful thing. But the reality is, the more more people talk about it, the better because then everybody's like oh learn from this one or make sure you know this or this happened to so and so. And like together as a society, we can do a better job alerting each other, mm-hmm. right? It's so different than a neighborhood watch, right? It's just a global digital neighborhood watch. Um, and so it's good to share. Um, it's Thank very you. easy to be scammed. They, they take advantage when it's something urgent, it's something personal, right? Like they always, they were able to catch people uh, in that state, like you were in with the, with the electric company and be like, well, wait a second, I was just trying to reach them and I have a bill and I need power and, you know, so... Yeah. You know, I was re- I was reading reading a book called The Confidence Game, which is about how like con artists work and everything. I was fascinated with that world. And the the book opens with a great point. They say that society works on a certain level of trust that we all have to have for one another no matter what. Like there's always some potential that you're working you're dealing with someone that's not going to be genuine with you, right? No matter what. You you're business life or anything and we all have to give up a certain amount of trust dealing with humans on an everyday basis so because of that that hole that we all have to have some faith in we are all open and even the smartest most diligent amongst us are going to be defrauded or something at some point because it's just you know human nature it's true yeah um I noticed, as I was saying earlier, that I had the issue with Edison trying to get through call times because of the pandemic and uh, issues with workers and everything like that. Uh, is that getting better these days? Uh, I don't know if the workforce itself is getting better, but uh, the way that consumers can reach businesses and get issues resolved, I think you know there's always improvements there. And what we do know um, for a fact is that when it comes to like customer service, right? We basically want choice, right? You might want to make a phone call because it's urgent. I might want to send a text because it's two o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, somebody might want to do a chat bot because it's just like a simple question. And can I just get like a quick answer? And so for the, for the, the marketers among us, or, you know, who depend on like the phone to, to get to their consumers, um, it's super important that they make sure that they're giving them like the full complement of options on how to reach. Now, people definitely want to hear a voice on the other end of the phone, Um, especially right when it's like a a complex issue or a personal issue or like a situation that seems like more urgent. Like you said, like you were calling, you needed to get somebody on the telephone. You wanted to get it resolved. There's more stats out than anybody probably ever cares to look at, but (laughs) the, uh, the baby boomers as no one, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Um, More than 70% of baby boomers would prefer to start a conversation with the customer service on the telephone. They'll move it off channel later, but they want to know that first. Interestingly, the second largest group to prefer phones are the Generation Z, right? So there's still that, like, I need to talk to someone. And then when I feel like I have what I need, I can move it off to, like, another another place. Um, So... um, is it getting better? There's more choices. There's there's certainly voice, text, and chatbot. Um, even on the voice side, there's your traditional 10-digit phone numbers. I'm going to assume that when you called your electric company, it was probably an 800 number, a toll-free number. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, again, that has inherent trust built into it. I think when people dial 800 numbers, they're like, this is a real legitimate company. Um, so we have to be mindful, again, just going back to the earlier discussion. 
when an 800 number is calling you and any toll-free 800-888-877, it doesn't have to be a complete flag, but that's also a flag because 800 numbers were originally intended for inbound calls to businesses, not outbound calls to consumers. They are used that way. Um, But again, 800 numbers are a very trusted uh, phone number option uh, that consumers just generally feel have have inherent trust into them. but the other reality is most people do like texting. It's convenient. It's easy. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to wait online. And so when you think about um, people, consumers' preference for texting um, and their ability to kind of engage quickly and easily, you also need to, as again, as a marketer, you need to make sure that your texting uh, protocols and processes are um, secure and that the, the person on the other end can can truly trust that it is the business that they're engaging with and not as we are seeing with this, this spike in robo a fraudster. Yeah. Uh, and there's ways for, for businesses to get, you know, trusted SMS, there's short codes and other ways to engage on the text channel on the text messaging channel um, that provides the speed and convenience that consumers want. So it makes it better. Um, and, uh, but you want to make sure you're doing it like with a little bit of, of trust and, and secure bubble wrap around that. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's a different <laughs> world we live in right now. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, going back to what you're saying in the beginning about giving, you know, giving people as many options as possible. I always think it's funny that whenever I call and I'm always like, I just want to get somebody on the phone because I just want to clear it up and make sure that I'm not mistaking something. Cause I, I don't trust my own brain. Right. And so, I, it's always funny. It's like, okay, I want to talk to somebody. I click the talk to somebody button. And then it's always like, are you sure you really want to talk to somebody? Just could you please make me, just can we give you the option of, te- no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, not texting. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing smoke signals. I just like want to talk to somebody. But it is kind of funny that it's like, please don't, please don't. <laughs> Right, because as a consumer, right, we we want to talk to someone. It's much more efficient, really, because if you have a question, you've got, you know, you don't have to rely on this kind of back and forth uh, interpretation of the text message. For a business, it's very expensive, right? Um, I think once I had read that there were, it's about $10 per call coming into a call center. So if I can move any of those costs, um, you know, kind of out of my world, um, it's going to be better for my 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 bottom line, but I cannot do it at the sacri- by sacrificing true customer experience. And so there's the benefit. I, mean, I think there's some funny memes of like people screaming into the phone, like, you know, associate. Um, <laughs> Cause it, it, it does get yes. very frustrating. Yeah. That's, that's my wife laughing at me when I'm in the other room, just like screaming associate in the other thing. Uh, what are some innovative yes. waves uh, ways that companies uh, like iConnective are stopping fraud. Uh, what are, I mean, you don't want to tip them off and let you know, let them know what you're doing, but <laughs> yeah, and that actually is part of the uh, part of the challenge. Um, so again, iConnective, we were actually born out of the original AT and T system, so we've been around telecom uh, forever. Um, literally born from the, the from the Alexander uh, Graham Bell days of of uh, telephony, but. <laughs> So we understand the voice networks. Uh, we understand how they work. And really, when you think about this surge of robotexting and the surge of robocalls, it was when the basic tenets of how phone calls were made and how they interconnected 
it changed as we moved to IP um, from a switch network. And so with that opened up some wormholes that I don't think anybody was really anticipating. Um, and today we're, you know, we're dealing with all these um, scams and robocalls and robotechs because of it. Uh, so I connected does a tremendous amount um, on the, on the really boring, you know, back office pieces inside of the guts of the telecommunication networks to see where and how do we put those gates and filters in to make sure that um, companies understand what's happening in their own networks. So it can be as simple as making sure that a company truly has numbering information. So phone numbers are allocated to different companies. AT&T gets a block of phone numbers. T-Mobile gets a block of phone numbers. Um, and obviously, in every country of the world, these, these phone number resources are allocated. Knowing that they are really allocated is an important thing, meaning that someone actually owns the phone number and it is allowed to be used, is an important thing for companies to know. Because if it isn't and it comes into your network, it's a signal of fraud. There's premium rate numbers, these really expensive phone numbers that somebody could call inadvertently. You want to make sure that you know, and you know about those. Um, and so... Um, iConnective has the lists of all of these different numbering resources and are able to give them to companies to say, ingest this into your fraud management systems, into your network operation systems, so that as just one more data point to make sure that you're not letting these phone calls even enter your network, yeah. never, never mind actually reach your consumer. That's just one of the ways there's a lot with caller it's all about the, a lot of with caller ID, like how do we give you information on your device that says, Hi, I'm your local pharmacy. I really am. I'm calling you about your prescription um, that you should be picking up, right? Because if if we knew that from the caller ID and we knew that we could trust the information that's coming on the phone, you probably would be more likely to pick it up. Um, during the I have a funny story which just entered my brain. So during the holidays, my mother, um, who often breaks her computer, broke broke the computer. She somehow deleted all of her drive drivers. I'm not even sure how she did it. So um, I. I couldn't fix I normally could fix it myself. This was beyond my technical expertise. So I need to call the computer company and they give you the convenience of the callback. Hey, would you, um, you could say on hold or we'll give you a callback. So I was like, uh, Oh, thank goodness. I'll take the callback option. Yes, I do too. Uh, there's, there's inherent problems with that, but um, I do love it. So I put it in. And then what happened was I get a phone call back from like Redmond, Washington, and I don't recognize it. So I don't answer it. A little time goes by. I don't answer it. Same, same, same number. I'm thinking, well, this is clearly a scammer. It's during the holiday season. Like I'm on like red alert for scam. Yeah. Um, the third time they finally left a voicemail and it was the computer company calling me back. Oh. <laughs> so I had missed. <laughs> uh, so I had missed the phone call. I actually want it. Uh, and then I have to go back up mine, cue the whole thing up. Um, all over again had that call said this is you know the computer company calling it was hp i believe mm. right like calling you back about your service call i would have picked it up yeah i would have been happy they would have saved money right because they wouldn't have had to do this telephone tag thing um and so if the information that showed up on the phone was a little was, was branded and verifiable um that and it's possible um that's the type of innovation that we're going to start to see that will give people a heck of a lot more confidence to to pick up the phone um especially when you're waiting for a phone call, right? Yeah, I I think that kind of leans into the thing they're doing these days where they have like the could be or the maybe. 
Like, and and I love that because that's never steered me wrong. It's never been not that person, or you know. Um, yeah, so I always good. think that's yeah, like those super are things helpful. That individual and if that, phone companies are if those, implementing like, across their network, yeah, and those people with with the callback, if it would have said maybe you know the computer guy, then it would have helped everybody out, you know. So more more of that. Exactly. Whoever's in charge of that, we need more of that these days. I say. A lot of people across the industry are working on on exactly that. Okay, so a personal question. Uh, it, I've heard that your personal passion is writing. And personally, I am a writer myself. Uh, when I'm not talking, I'm writing. And what kind of storytelling that people are doing in the comms industry these days is something that you find compelling or interesting? Um, so, I, you know, I don't think it really ever changes. I think the stories that will always be the most compelling and the ones that will always resonate and evoke some type of a response are the ones that have like a human element mm-hmm. to it, right? They're the ones that are memorable and relatable and they're powerful. Um, and, we, and we feel it instantly when we hear it or when we see it um, and when we read it. Um, and I don't mean like the human element of like we're solving wor- world hunger. I, I, I don't, I don't. Um, I mean, those are wonderful, but that's not what I mean. I, I saw a, a TV commercial recently. I barely ever really watch TV just by the nature of my life. But, um, and it was a TV commercial for a credit card with this like one touch pay, right? And it shows a whole bunch of people like in their morning commute, like, uh, you know, some, some person's like trying to put this crumpled dollar bill through a vending machine. And like another person is like digging through this purse that's like the size of like luggage, like looking for change. And another one has like all of the stuff and trying to get to the wallet and all this stuff drops. Um, and then a woman just kind of casually walks by, you know, flashes the credit card across this you know, device, it beeps and she walks away with her coffee. And I'm like, like, it's memorable. Like, I don't even drink coffee. And I, <laughs> and I remember it, right? Because it's like, wow, I've been there. I've been like stressed and frustrated over these seemingly like little things. And it's just nice when something can be easy. Um, so I, I, those are kind of like the stories I like. I also liked um, Super Bowl was just recently. Mm-hmm. And there was an ad in the Super Bowl for Dunkin' Donuts um, with uh, J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Yeah. And it's not because it was J-Lo and Ben Affleck. It's like she drives up to the, uh, up to, you know, to get her coffee or whatever. And he's working the drive-thru. And she's like, what are you doing here? Like, is this where you go when you say you're going to work? Like, it's, it's just funny. Um, because so many times when you run into people. Uh, so anyway, I think if a story has a human element and it doesn't try and pitch a product, but it talks about, um, you know, how to make your life easier, how to make something better, or just is real, um, it just becomes memorable. Yeah, it reminds me of the old saying, there's a guy, Dan O'Day, who's, who, I, as in, when I've done a lot of copywriting, he was like a copywriting guru, and he used to always say, don't tell me about your grass seed, tell me about my lawn. You know? <laughs> exactly. And I always think that that's like the best starter whenever I'm approaching a project, and I'm like, I don't know where to start here. It's like, yes, that person... We deal with these small frustrations every day, and the fact that we can uh, eliminate one of them in a very simple way by tapping the card, I think, is very powerful. And people go, "Oh yeah, geez, you know." Um, the 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 clumsy way of doing that is, you know, the Ronco ad or whatever, where the you know the person can't figure out how to dehydrate bacon, and they keep screwing it up, and their life goes, and then they get it get it gets solved by the problem, right? It's um. It's kind of a much more elegant way of doing that, right? 
Yeah. And it's an art. I mean, it's hard, right? Especially when, again, thinking about people in PR and marketing specifically, like we're very focused on our clients and we're very focused on, on the product, the service, whatever it is that we're trying to kind of position and navigate. And it's often hard to kind of pull yourself out of that and hover over it a little bit, exactly like you're talking about with the grass seed and say, it's not about the germination of the grass seed. It's about the kids playing on the, uh, on the grass or, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it was important to the person who had that lawn. And when you can start to take it from that angle, uh, I think all of the marketing and PR efforts that anybody will do become much more effective. Um, yeah. and, then, and then it's also, they and then it's also explaining to the client that we don't need to talk about their grass seed. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's the tough is, part. Cause the client goes, well, this is, um, this grass seed was, you know, made with this special kind of pesticide in it that is blah, 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 chemical composition. And we think, you know, the audience is going to love that. You're like, no, no, maybe just show that it's, it's tough happen. turf, you know, when the kids are running on it. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, uh, who's an author, and uh, he, he had start, he's written several books, um, Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last or two of the to my favorites, but um, start with why is exactly that. Like, don't tell me how or what. Tell me why it matters in my life, and I'm more likely um, to care about it, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's not about uh, how it's made or what specifically is in it. So I love starting with why. I love that. I'm, I'm going to write that down in things to read. Well. Oh, uh, yeah, or listen yeah. to. He's, it's great. Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Sharon, for uh, speaking with us. And is there any way that you'd like our audience to get in touch with you or follow you or anything you'd like to direct them to? Uh, let me know. Uh, that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm on um, LinkedIn and and uh, Twitter and, of course, just off the uh, company website, it's, it's, et cetera. Uh, I usually find my, my tribe on Twitter just do the various hashtags that I'll follow, whether it be 5G or PR technology. Um, so I always love to engage in a, an interesting conversation uh, or just kind of follow what's happening in the industry. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. And hopefully uh, you can become a member of the Four Timer Club sometime in the future. <laughs> thank you again. I appreciate the time. No problem. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.